1: I could stay here forever.
0: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
1: The Bob
0: Seska Show. Bob Seska. Hi, this is Leslie Nielsen. Merry Christmas, you eggnog-sucking patsies.
1: The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, December 8, 2021. And this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, how you doing? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day 323 of the Biden-Harris administration, 335 days until the 22 midterms. I am on Instagram. Follow me over there. The Bob Seska is my handle. And I'm on Twitter at Bob underscore go. All right. Heather Timmons is the White House editor for Reuters big deal right here and uh, a couple of weeks ago she called me out on twitter i'll talk about why when we bring heather in but i was glad she spoke up because this is one of the most challenging problems we face and so it's worthy of discussion the role of the free press in a time when democracy is on the brink of ending how can the press inform the nation of this crisis brought about by donald trump and the republican party while also maintaining its integrity and objectivity For me, it's a super delicate conversation because I strongly believe we need to keep the news media honest. But I also understand that it's under immense, immense, immense pressure, both financially and journalistically. So we'll get into all of this with Heather Timmons. Links in the description to support her work, as well as some of the excellent reporting at Reuters. And if I sound reticent during all of this... It's only because I want the press to succeed and endure, while at the same time, many publications are just pissing me off. All right, meantime, please help support this independent podcast by subscribing to our bonus content at bobseskashow.com. All right, here comes my chat with Heather Timmons from Reuters.
0: So tell me, thank you for, for indulging me. Um, After I was an asshole on Twitter.
1: Um. (laughs) (laughs) No way. No, seriously. Uh, A few weeks ago, I tweeted a gripe about the press and I was generalizing a little too much. And you rightfully called me out on it. And too often um, people conflate cable news with the entire press corps when not, right. When right. not every sure. publication or network has the same approach to covering politics. And I kind of fell into that trap where I'm seeing, you know, Chuck Todd on Meet the Press or something like that, and and he's doing kind of this both sides equivalence sort of thing. And and that irritated me. And I think the part of the context had to do with the jobs numbers. We'll come back to that. But you deserve to pull the reins back on me in that case, because one of the things that I've been talking about on this show quite a bit is that – Mistake where people see what's happening on cable news and automatically assume that this is happening, uh, you know, in editorial boards and newsrooms across country, whether it's print or radio or whatever. And uh, that's not necessarily the case, is it?
0: No, definitely not we are trying really hard at Reuters to do this very straightforward because that's what Reuters is, Mm -hmm. you know, like really fact-based here is what's going on. Here's the numbers. Here's the thing, you know, like we don't do opinion. We don't have opinion columns. We don't have opinion writers. We just don't do it. Um, That, you know, because there is right now this growing frustration with the quality of political coverage that's coming Mm -hmm. from cable news and a lot of other places too. really, I just think, you know, yet now even more than ever before, like all the media is getting lumped into mainstream media, you suck. And and yeah, it's yeah. coming, you know, it's coming at a time right now where this industry is being decimated. Mm-hmm. You know, it's being devastated. We're losing local newspapers. We're losing thousands, tens of thousands of journalists, you know, over the past, I think it's six years. Um, I've got the numbers here somewhere. But so it's just like, this is this 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 criticism that I'm hearing from you and lots of other people. Is, you know, it's just it's it's over overlooking, I think, what what is the real uh, fundamental problem that's happening right now is that our fact based news industry in America is is shaky you know it yeah, is yeah. it is suffering and it needs help and it needs money and it needs people to believe in it again so
1: and is this a consequence of the internet is this a consequence of some other factor obviously cable television factors into all of this but i think one of the things that you brought up that i was completely unaware of is this hedge fund alden global capital i think it is What's going on with that? How is that hedge fund decimating <laughs> newsrooms? Well,
0: there, you know, because there's a lot of, um, because there are still there still are some regional newspapers. Mm-hmm. Um, they just bought up the Baltimore Sun and the Chicago Tribune, by the way. Wow, um, that still have a, a have an old school, you know, uh, uh, number. They have a number of loyal subscribers. Mm-hmm. And when I say newspaper, I mean. Like anything that used to be a newspaper, but does news on the internet that you have to pay for, yeah. you know, I'm not talking necessarily about a paper. Um, but, but what this hedge fund found is that they could go in there and it's a predictable stream of revenue that, that they could stop up while shrinking the newsroom and shrinking it and shrinking it and shrinking it until the product is, is you know, inconsequential. As the news gets worse yeah. and eventually subscribers start to fall away, but it doesn't matter. Right. They can take profits out of that. And mm-hmm. and that, you know, and there's a great that, that I think I posted it, but there's a great Atlantic story on just sort of how blasé they are about that. You know, yeah. I, I think the author, like many journalists, made the mistake of thinking everybody thinks <laughs> journalism matters and is sacred. And they were just like, well, no, I what what? Yeah, <laughs> this is, yeah. No, there's like money to be had. Why would we not take the money?
1: So yeah. they're basically downsizing newsrooms. Is that part of it uh, to save some money? I mean, how do they expect any sort of content to appear <laughs> on these publications, whether it's print, internet, or both? I, I don't understand the business model here, other than the you know the bust. out It is bust out. Thing, yeah, it's bust
0: out. It is. It just takes your take your short term gains. There's yeah, no long term right. business model. There's yeah. not. It doesn't, it's not a, you know, it's, it's just not And. and what's happening. And, and Um. soon after, Uh, soon after you and I were tweeting at each other, the uh, Margaret <laughs> Sullivan, who does a great column for the Washington post about, you know, the media industry um, put out something great on, on the same thing. You know, there's a, we just, we have all of these news deserts around America and this might not be sort of news to you, but it mattered so much, particularly during the pandemic. There's, there's, something like three quarters of American counties right now don't have a daily newspaper. Mm -hmm. They might have a weekly one. um, And, and, and many of them, you know, something like a fifth of them just don't have any local news at all. And so when you're trying to get information about, you know, a thing that's maybe your neighbors are talking about, you know, not trusting the vaccine, or you're not sure about what COVID whatever and you don't have any local source of news,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where you you know you might know the person writing the story, you might know the doctor they're quoting, you might you're going to turn to the internet for news. You're going to get everything has become very nationalized.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
0: know, so so there's no so those are you know in those particular areas people tend to vote less mm-hmm. with news deserts. If they when they do vote, they vote strictly on party lines. You know, it's just it's 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 sort of there's a dearth of information about how to make considered decisions happening
1: yeah yeah but I feel like to an extent there is obviously factors like Alden Global capital but there's this other side of it that tends to be a point of frustration for me a lot of times which is you know mm-hmm. when, I, when I go to write a piece for whatever publication I, I have to say you know sometimes I have to reject ideas for something based on the fact that that no one will read it. I mean, here's a great example, Heather. Anytime anytime I write about... You're speaking to the converted. Go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah. But I mean, anytime I write about the climate crisis, oh my mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. it's like crickets chirping. The reach drops to almost nothing. People just don't want to hear it. They don't want to read about it. So they move on. And I get the sense that this happens quite a bit, where there's a topic... That's an extremely important topic that news consumers simply don't consume. And that shapes and sculpts the direction of the news, whether we like it or not. That's that's how it goes. Is that something that you've noticed in your experience? Sounds like it has.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, of course. And before I, before I worked for Reuters, I worked for a a startup that was um, called Quartz that was part Mm -hmm. of the Atlantic, but we were a pure startup startup. So, you know, our, we lived and died by traffic, Mm. honestly. And, and, and a lot of it was, (laughs) you know, we would try to figure out, right. How to write things in ways that people wanted to read that would also get out quality information. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I I was based in Hong Kong for a while with them. And, and I remember we wrote something at one point about the new president who had been elected, um, who was a single woman with two cats. And we had put that in the headline and then <laughs> put the whole history of like Taiwan and its battle with China. But then we could see, you know, because you can get those great data metrics and you can see what people are reading. And we're yeah. like, Oh, they came for the cat headline, but they stayed for the history of Taiwan. Oh, hey, Excellent. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean that, you know, the uh, how to write about climate in a way to engage more consumers is something I think a, a lot of news organizations have struggled with. We mm-hmm. have a big climate section at Reuters right now. You know, the thing that's happening is, is businesses are realizing that climate mitigation is big business, that you know, green finance is going to be big business. So our corporate clients, you know, it's, it's important information for them.
1: Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this before we go any further. Are you at the white house right now? Where do you work? Are, are you there or someplace else? Is there you at the Reuters offices? And where, where are um, you based? So
0: we have, uh, we, our offices are, uh, yeah, are right in downtown. Um, we yeah. have a, we have seven reporters that go into the white house. Mm-hmm. Um, because of COVID, we have a little, you know, we have a little uh, a little room in there and mm-hmm. and all of the news organizations that have regular people in there have a little space. Nice. Um, it's like a little tiny submarine. Mm-hmm. Frankly, we just don't like to stack people in there right now. <laughs> For a really long time, we were sending one person only and now we'll kind of do two if there's a lot going on there right now. Um, so I go back and forth between our office and my house.
1: Nice. You, and I'm home right now, yeah. Oh, great. So, and you were promoted to White House editor back in February, but um you were also a White House correspondent at some point. When was that?
0: Um, I did that. I did that for quartz. It was an experimental um, <laughs> you know, they they were such a new startup, and we thought, well, let's just put somebody in the White House. Yeah, um yeah. and so I I moved back to the United States after being away for 14 years, um, at the end of 2016, after mm-hmm. the 2016 election. And Wow. Um it was a bit of a it was a bit of a culture shock because I had left <laughs> yeah. the country. I mean, I left the country before Facebook, you, you know. And so I came back to America and I was like, whoa, what is going on
1: here? Oh my god, <laughs> what yeah, you done you were the yeah. Asia bureau chief, weren't you?
0: Yes. That yeah, was yeah. the job. I, okay. I was for courts. And then and then I worked for the New York Times for 10 years before that in <laughs> gotcha. India and in London
1: and in London. So wow.
0: so I spent a big stretch of time outside of the US and it made mm-hmm. Coming back here and seeing what's going on with the media landscape and the political landscape, you know, all the more um, bleak to me or glaring.
1: Yeah, yeah. What was that adjustment like once you arrive back, you're in the White House, uh, Donald Trump takes over, and it's an all-out war against the enemy of the people? I mean, that had to have been uh, extremely difficult.
0: I think there's something really... uh, there's something sort of not easy, but if you're a if you're a foreign correspondent, if you're mm. living in another country, it's really it is easier to look at somebody else's government, somebody else's system, and be like, "Whoa, you people should fix this. This is really messed up. Let's yeah. write this story yeah. about how this is messed up." And then you come home and you go, "Wow, this is ours. This whole this whole you know massive divide, the misinformation that's happening, yeah, um, all of that." So I, I I think more than anything else, that was kind of you know my big mental
1: shock Mm -hmm. i'm not sure have you read the dana milbank piece yet in the in the post uh he wrote about well he actually uh availed himself of this uh outfit called fiscal note and they were able Mm -hmm. to use Mm -hmm. this system to compare the coverage of the final year of donald trump versus the the
0: negative yeah Yeah,
1: versus the first year of joe biden Mm -hmm. and he he writes Mm -hmm. uh after a honeymoon of slightly positive coverage in the first three months of this year Biden's press for the past four months has been as bad as, and for a time worse than, the coverage Trump received for the same four months of 2020. What's your reaction to that?
0: I, you know, I'm I'm gonna push back a little bit on the methodology of, you know, it's it's great that he seems to have attached some sort of methodology to studying this, and it is mm-hmm. something that I think we we all have been feeling, you know, in some yeah. ways. It's like well, coverage does feel like for an economy that's going pretty much gangbusters, and mm-hmm. yeah, there's a little inflation, but the job, you know, unemployment is is really low, and everybody's got lots of savings. People have money. Like, what's? Um, I I don't think the methodology actually that he applied there is fantastic. So mm-hmm. I I don't you know I'm not a hundred percent sold on that as yeah, a yeah. It. um I. I'm, I, I'm gonna go back to the local journalism thing again and i will tell you why okay. because washington press coverage is its own washington is its own little media fishbowl yeah um and, and and you know to to cover um the white house and the next presidential candidate um for so many decades, was sort of the, you know one of the pinnacles of the jobs you could possibly ever get by working your way up from some small town paper and some little, you know, you would have job after job after job that would that would um, uh, that you would do to finally call your way up to the very top. Uh, you know, a lot of the. And be very careful here to not insult, you know. Sure, um, sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> our competitors, but I, I I think there there's a. There is a lot of Washington-based media focused on what's going on in Congress, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on in the White House stuff. That is sort of smaller, almost like trade-type publications, um, which is where some of the bigger institutions are now getting getting their Washington reporters from instead of those small towns. Um, this is a town where when one party's in power, the other party is sitting on the sidelines whispering into everybody's ears about what they're going to do mm-hmm. as soon as they kick those guys out. And it and it and it feels to me almost like this 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 fishbowl is just listening to itself a little bit too much, you know. There's yeah. a, I mean, you you see what's going on with the Republican Party right now, and there are such deep divisions that the one thing that they can agree on is they want to get rid of Joe Biden, mm-hmm. and and you know, and 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 the messaging machine around that, and the number of think tanks that are spread out around Washington D.C. that generate. "Quote unquote," you know, economic analysis, but it is biased. Um, there's quite a few of them. Yeah. You know, and so there's a whole industry out out here that is that is sort of politically slanted economic research. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's contributing to it too. I'm sorry, it's a long and maybe boring. Answer.
1: <laughs> no, that's <it> where, <laughs> just, just fine. It, just fine. But there's
0: just a whole lot of you know what I mean. Like there's yeah. a there's yeah. a there's a huge there's a huge sort of industry and think tanks and other things out there dedicated to getting out Mm -hmm. the message that this guy is doing badly. Um, You know, and just looking at I was just looking at this statistic that only journalists care about. But um, right now, the number of public relations people in America to journalists, the ratio right now is six to one. And Mm -hmm. that was three to one a decade ago because we've lost so many journalism jobs. And there's so much more money in sort of like you know funneling through these think tanks and other things uh, that again will present stuff as as research or present things as you know analysis
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but that very often are are at least paid for by somebody with a political agenda
1: but in terms of those think tanks i was not necessarily aware that they did have some influence on uh, uh certain re- reporters i guess there's active lobbying well, going I- on isn't there
0: necessarily influence, but they're going to be quoted. Yeah. You know, if the, if AEI and the Heritage Foundation are putting out a statement saying, you know, the latest jobs numbers show that Biden has created a hollow victory for blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's going to wind up in a story. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you know I it mean? It, it's just a, it, 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 it's and and they will be identified probably as a conservative leaning, you know, think tank, but that, is sort of just how the sausage is made. And, and I know that's probably an unsatisfying answer to you too, but.
1: I guess my question is, why is the sausage made that way? Uh, because I think <laughs> that it seems like that might be the source of a lot of uh, dissatisfaction, where yeah, right, something is right. unequivocally, unequivocally good news for President X, why is it being countermanded by this quote from someone with an obvious agenda? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I hear you. I mean, you know, what's unequivocal good news? We kind of go to this, like, what is objectively good news thing? No, um, no. You know, you know, a wage growth is great. But mm-hmm. if you're a the Chamber of Commerce and your members are paying more money, they're unhappy.
1: So, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah.
0: I mean, it, you know, you come you come to the thing where it's like everything, you know, everything can't be good news for everybody.
1: How do you cover an entire political party, basically one half of the political debate? That is dedicated to upending democracy. That is basically managing and contributing to the decline of American democracy. I mean, in the best case scenario, how do you approach something like that?
0: Mm-hmm. I, you know what? That it's. I mean, it's a conversation that's happening at every Washington newsroom right yeah. now. And
1: I, I think one.
0: I, I think one one part of it that you hit on. You know that that these that there is a sort of a strategy of flooding flooding the zone and you know and and using some of the maybe weaknesses or whatever you want to call it in American journalism system to your to your benefit Mm -hmm. And, and part of the real difficulty for I think American media with that is that you know you never want to be part of the story yeah and and realizing that that's happening and realizing that is is it just suddenly makes media part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't have a great answer for you right now, except for that it's something that, you know, we have been thinking a, a, a lot about. And, you know, we've got, we and everybody else has got sort of a Reuters fact check thing. You know, there's constant misinformation coming out and we're fact checking our little hearts out. Um, yeah. I, you know, I have moments where I'm like, I don't know if that is anywhere near enough to overcome the flood of other not fact based news that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't mean, I shouldn't even call it information, non fact based information that's happening out there.
1: Okie dokie. We'll get back to our conversation with Heather Timmons here in just one second. But first, today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or maybe preventing you from achieving your goals? Well, BetterHelp is gonna assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. This isn't a crisis line, this isn't self help. It's professional therapy done securely on the internet. You can log into your account anytime you want and send a message to your therapist. You're gonna get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapist offices. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available if you can't afford it. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials posted daily. BetterHelp.com slash That's BetterHelp.com slash C-E-S-C-A. And join the over 2 million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people are using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Special offer right now for Bob Seska Show listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Seska. Link in the description at BobSeska.com. BetterHelp.com slash Seska. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. I, I think part of the problem is that, say for example, something like, I don't know, Helsinki or the attempt to cheat in the election via Ukraine. It seems extraordinarily challenging to be able to amplify those kinds of stories when there's only a certain level of tone that you can really use and it doesn't seem like it's adequate to be able to right, right. fully embody the crisis that it's actually attempting to cover. Do you see what I mean? Where I, I, yeah. I do. I hear what you're
0: saying. I mean, you know, we are, we, and I think many other are very, very, very careful to always say, you know, fraudulent claims that he didn't lose the last election and mm-hmm. Biden won by 7 million votes. I, I would I would, you know, point you to something else, which is which is something our investigative team has been doing a lot of, is just digging into what we think is the next step for these false election claims, yeah. Which is which is you know violence, which mm-hmm. is, uh, and they have done a couple really great pieces that I'll send to you, but just um, just about some of the um, election officials who certified results being targeted by out, outlets like the Gateway Pundit, um, targeted by name, and then receiving death threats and having to leave their houses and, and you know, and having their lives completely upended.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that's happening, you know, not just with the Georgia Secretary of State, who you probably know about, but these lower level election officials, um, many of whom are, are women of color, um, who have been targeted specifically. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the next thing that's happening. Um, So, so it's sort of like, you know, we're kind of going beyond this idea that, that they're maybe not, you know, that there's an undemocratic element, but, but actually what is the next step is, is using violence.
1: Well, you know, on one hand, I understand the challenge and the mandate for the press to just cover the facts but i think a lot of people and i don't know where i land on this necessarily uh, you know mm-hmm. coming coming from journalism i tend to land more on you know somewhere in between uh, i don't know it's it's a very challenging thing to kind of analyze because on one hand i i respect and understand the way journalism is supposed to be but on the other hand i feel like why aren't some of these publications raising more alarm bells about what's happening i think what people are expecting is you know, spinning sirens and, uh, hey, oh my God, you guys <laughs> right. need to be really, really concerned about this particular story. But at the same time, the press is remaining rather clinical about it. I think a lot of readers are going, oh, I don't know if that's adequate. Do you see what I mean?
0: I do. I do. I do. I, I, I mean, like I said, Reuters is, is not, you know, we are always going to be straight on the facts. Yeah. And, and this, you know, Level of investigation that we've been doing about where the facts lead when you go down this path of trying to, you know, uh, manipulate election results mm-hmm. um, and, you know, should paint a picture in people's mind of what what could happen next. I, I mean, I guess I would partially say that's not probably not the media's role in my no. mind to put that, you know, spinning siren dredge report <laughs> yeah yeah thing on the, you know I mean it it's it's certainly the role of a you know of a of a media analyst type or a mm-hmm. democracy activist type or
1: something but but it's just not what we do I I completely understand that everything we're talking about is such a a delicate conversation to have because there are certain responsibilities that you and your colleagues have in all of this and you have to kind of maintain some sort of grasp of those values you know what I mean.
0: Well, I would, you know, I would just go back to the beginning of our conversation. There's this
1: feeling that the
0: fact-based news media is some sort of organized monolith that behind the scenes is all coordinating on something. Yeah. We hate each other. We have no money. We're all <laughs> exhausted. You yeah, know what I yeah. mean? Like, I want to punch Chuck Todd in the face. No, I don't. I'm just <laughs> kidding. But, you know, it's like it's it's, it's, it's it's not, there's no, there's no cohesion. We we compete over stories. We compete over people. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, organize news. you know, we should we should have been organizing to fight back on Facebook and Google for stealing our advertising revenue for years, but we can't organize to do that. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's also it's just not an industry that like lends itself to any kind of cohesion, and that's making me crazy too. No, mm-hmm. I I hear you. I do hear. you. I totally hear you. And I just it's 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 just never been that way. I've seen it sort of confront other problems and be unable to present a
1: unified yeah. front on it. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. well, I think one of the things that we uh, were talking about initially when we uh, kind of bumped into each other on Twitter uh, a couple of weeks ago was uh, some of the coverage of the jobs numbers. And I I remember at the time I was kind of irritated by some of the big papers of record missing the upward revisions in the jobs numbers, Uh, having spent a lot of the summer uh, doom reporting about the Biden economy all summer long. And then suddenly in The Washington Post, um, you know, a week or 10 days after the election. Oh, look at this. We found these revisions, these upward revisions of all the jobs numbers showing that there were way more jobs created over the summer than was initially reported. And I found that irritating, but you noted that Reuters had reported on those things back in the summertime. How do you get that? How do you get that to resonate more when it's obvious that, yeah, there was some reporting on those things, but the reporting that was like, oh, look at the Biden economy stagnating and here comes inflation and supply chains and not enough jobs being created. What happened? How do you get the actual news to break through the crap?
0: Uh, you know, it's, I, I think it's an age old problem with the news industry. Yeah. I, I, you know, years ago I had an editor named Seymour Zucker and I would bring him a story about something going well. And he'd be like, I get along with my wife. So what? Uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, a, you know, it, 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 it is a, it is an industry that wants to find problems. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's no excuse. It's yeah. not, it's yeah. not. And I, I think, and I think, you know, you probably if you went back and looked, you'd be surprised and you would probably find that that everyone did cover the that there was an upward revision somewhere, but you just didn't notice and it didn't resonate. You're right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was buried or maybe it was, um, you know, it, it, it just it just wasn't something that was on the front page, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, I don't I think it's, a, it's a, except for to say this is an industry, you know, this is an age old industry problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, problems and also problems and drama get clicks. I mean, let's let's face it. it, it, Great news about the Biden administration is not going to get the same clicks as, oh, my God, the sky is falling. I mean, that's just the disparity that we're living with right now. And I guess the worry is that in the context of the Biden administration, I think a lot of people are going, well, this administration has got to succeed because the alternative is disaster. And I think a lot of people when they see negative news about the Biden administration, especially in the context of most of that negative news being normal politics, I think people get really sketchy about that kind of stuff. And uh, that's uh, that tends to be the source of a lot of angst online when it comes Mm -hmm. to the press. It'd be like, well, you know, this is normal shit. Why, you know, why is the normal shit getting all kinds of uh, terrible press when the abnormal shit got about the same amount of press? I mean, This is, I think, the centerpiece of the problem that we're facing right now. Don't you think?
0: I I do. I do hear on that. And I'm thinking, you know, I mean, the loudest voices right now are the ones that are getting heard first. So if you look at something like the Virginia election and you sort of dig into like what happened with that CRT thing, Mm -hmm. it was like a couple, I think it was a couple hundred parents in a district of thousands and thousands that first started, You know, these protests and things and and the media paid attention to the loud voice there, which was people, you know, raising a big stink about what was happening. They didn't. It's it's hard to write a story about the rest of the people who are like, oh, God, I don't care about that. Or that's not important to me. Or I think you're stupid, but I'm sitting home and I'm talking to my friends about it, but I'm not out protesting about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 just inevitable that the loudest voice is is gonna take up a lot of the a lot of the oxygen.
1: First yeah. of all, yeah. I mean, how do you say this? Just has never happened before, and it's immensely dangerous. But you you can't you can't necessarily put that into a news story, can you? I mean, that's too much color, don't you think? Or
0: well, I mean. Of course, you can say this is, you know, this is, there is no historical precedent for this to happen, yeah. you know, or, or these people that you can quote, say that they historians, I love talking to historians about US history. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, they say that they see these see echoes of something that happened at 110 years ago. And this is maybe what we could expect next. Like, yeah, you can yeah. do those, f- for sure, of course, you mm-hmm. can do those kind of stories. I think the kind of alarm bells that you want someone to sound. You know, the the sort of fact-based media is maybe not the first place that should be sounding that. Like yeah, I said, yeah. you know, we quote people that say, this is potentially very dangerous. And here's why I think that.
1: Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you're seeing that you wish were, was happening differently in the press by and large? I mean, Reuters, we'll put Reuters aside. Is there anything you're seeing that you go, okay, guys, you're doing it wrong?
0: I don't know. That's a really good question. I go back and forth on yeah, that a yeah. lot. I mean, you know, one one thing that, you know, is very obvious. And again, going back to our economics talk and I, and I used to is just the the lack of thoughtful uh comprehensive coverage about what's been happening with this mm. economy for sure would be great and that shouldn't be that hard even to fix really you know it yeah. is just if you're going to interview a family that's spending more on milk you also got to mention the fact that they're getting stimulus checks and they're this and they're that mm-hmm. so that you have a comprehensive picture of what's going on with their finances yeah yeah um you know that 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 kind of that kind of stuff. I, I, uh, what's our long-term trajectory though? I don't know. I'm, I'm, (laughs) I tend to be a little doomsay ish on this sometimes.
1: No, that's fine because I am way more doomsay ish than you are (laughs) Mm -hmm. that that Mm -hmm. you, you can't possibly shock me with anything. That's for sure. But I do not envy the position you're in Heather or any of your colleagues for that matter, because it is, no matter how you guys slice it one way or another, you're going to piss someone off. And I guess maybe, is that the goal? I don't know. Is that the, is that a sign that you're doing something right? If everyone's pissed off, is that kind of how you approach it? <laughs> I,
0: I, have heard that many times. I, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. I mean, I, you know, again, when we, I, okay. So I have a friend whose mother lived in the villages in Florida and she was um, she was caught up in this belief that voter fraud had actually happened and Mm -hmm. so my friend compiled this dossier of reuters stories that was like no here's the numbers for this here's the numbers for this here's the numbers for this and finally over a long period of time and i want to say weeks because she decided you know there's some news news sources she won't trust anymore and this is Mm -hmm. not a commercial for reuters i promise but um just you know but she she over the course of several weeks, was finally convinced, but it was her daughter telling her this stuff with a with a list of things and facts in front of her, and it took a long time. I mean, I, I think when people have embraced propaganda, um, or things are not, then things that are not true, and they and they just profoundly believe them, it's really hard to deprogram them, and I, I and mean, that's probably going to be something we're going to have to spend years doing in the U.S.
1: What do you make of the—and this has been a trope for as long as I've been probably 50-plus years—the um, liberal media bias trope? Is there a self-conscious aspect to that where uh, going into a story, you feel like, well— You know, Republicans, conservatives, Trump voters, et cetera, are going to be irritated by this because they're going to see it as a liberal media bias. So therefore, we have to kind of soften the story or we have to present some sort of, you know, alternative aspect of this. Like, well, what's the other side doing, too, that's kind of balances this out? Does that trope factor into anything? Because I think the outside sense is that there's a self-conscious reaction to it like okay this was beaten over our heads for uh, 50 years and so therefore we have to kind of sculpt the news around it and and react to it in a sense not directly but in a tacit way is that something that uh, factors into uh, decision making on uh, uh, publishing a story or not
0: you know that's a good I mean I don't I, I, from my own experience no and I I you know grew up in small towns and went to high school in a pretty conservative small town. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't think I've carried, you know, I don't think I've carried the, you must be a liberal chip on my shoulder. (laughs) I don't know. I just, it's, it's the, 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 that is sort of a a slur against somebody is is (laughs) kind of funny, you know, at this point, Uh, but has it happened in the media? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that there's a natural, I mean, we saw those sort of spate of stories about like the far right and proud boy fashion and all of those things were like, oh, Lord, help us. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, there's sort of this almost like, because <laughs> it, this may get to the fact that newsrooms still have a lot to do on diversification. You get a lot of white reporters being like, oh, they're kind of like us. They grew up in this kind of town and with this kind of, you know, I don't know, upper middle class, but yet they've gone way off the scale politically, like. How fascinating. Let's yeah. figure out what's going on. <laughs> uh, you know, you may see some of that. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, I haven't, I haven't personally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think in, 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 you know, in my work experience had, no, had, had editor stories or things ever, ever felt like somebody, you know, said, you know, to overcome the fact that you may have. People may say we have a liberal bias. We need to present things this way.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right.
0: Well, here- I mean, except for just that you do, yeah, you do need to talk to, you do need to, and maybe this is where the both sides frustration comes in, but you do need to, you know, talk to people from across the spectrum. And yeah, yeah. if they're saying things that are demonstrably not true, then you can say they're demonstrably not true.
1: Well, let's say, for example, in the coming ten months. Let's say starting this month and and taking us all the way through midsummer toward uh, you know the midterms uh, on the horizon, and there is one great economic story after another coming down all of the various economic indicators are showing uh, vast improvement of the job scenario the Dow continues to climb uh, GDP is looking strong you know write down the the whole list of things which I'm sure you're abundantly familiar with and it's all great news for the Biden record um, do all those things get reported on And this is not necessarily specific to you at Reuters, but generally speaking, will those things get reported on or will they be watered down with, well, we also have to present some good news from the Republican side, too, or no, I don't think so.
0: No, I mean, there's no it's you know, it's sort of like jobs data should be jobs data and we can. Mm go into a whole conspiracy about those revisions, um, which is maybe not a conspiracy, who knows, but um, no, but I think there's, (laughs) no, I I mean, economic data is economic data. It's it's what's going to happen no matter what. And Mm. again, because the Republican party is so divided, the one thing that they can agree on is that they want to do everything they can to make this presidency unsuccessful, um, you know, and, and to get him out of office and to make sure that, you know, he looks. You know, they're they're. That's the one thing they're really united on. Mm-hmm. And so you can expect as those numbers come out, you know, again some of this like, yes, but the costs of X, Y, Z are hot. You know, there's going to be a lot of noise coming yeah, out yeah. of again these these Washington think tanks and things that that are funded by conservatives that do publish economic research. And you know, you'll you'll hear a yes, but you will, and mm-hmm. and it won't. You know, and it and it's. I mean, a lot of these are very pretty mainstream organizations that that journalists in this city use and quote all the time to talk about, you know, how the economy is doing.
1: So. Wow. Wow. Absolutely. Well, you know what? Look, Heather, I'm so glad you came on the show and I thank you for being a good sport. This obviously for me is a real challenge to analyze, having come from uh, the print press, having come from I mean, I've been publishing on the Internet since the 90s. And so, sure. I under- where did
0: you work before?
1: Tell me. Oh, I was, I wrote for Salon. I go all the way back mm-hmm. with the, the Huffington oh, Post when to when it was, sure, uh, sure. when it first launched in 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. uh, I wrote a, a, a weekly local music column for the Reading Eagle newspaper in Reading, Pennsylvania. That was my first uh, uh, professional print job. And then prior to that, I was the editor in chief of my campus newspaper in college and so on. So I have, you know, one foot in that arena. And so it's a real challenge for me to, you know, as someone who respects and supports the institution of the press to also see and criticize some of its downsides. And there are downsides here. And I also recognize the the dangers that we're in right now politically as far as uh, democracy under threat and so on. And I'm trying to figure out a way, and obviously this is kind of the source of our conversation, trying to figure out a way how um the word can get spread while still adhering to journalistic integrity uh while Mm -hmm. not necessarily Mm -hmm. abandoning objectivity how you how you draw that fine line between raising concern among readers versus remaining objective and that's extraordinarily challenging and i I give you all the credit in the world for continuing to persevere and to uh to crank out some great reporting at reuters and um it's it's such an impossible task i don't know how you do it
0: um well thank you and i'm gonna let me send you some of these great investigations that we've done recently i think i think that i think that just sort of moving beyond this is this is maybe this is dangerous to like here's how this specifically is dangerous to these people right now this is what's happening is Mm -hmm. is one of the ways that you do that yeah yeah you know i mean and and these stories should ring a lot of alarm bells, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And and that's the thing that everyone should bear in mind, too. Just because you don't see a headline pop up in your feed on Twitter doesn't mean it's not getting reported. (laughs) There's stuff going on all the time that never gets shared on Twitter, gets shared on Facebook. And I encourage everybody, if you see a great news story, Share that thing. Like it, share it, retweet it, whatever you have to do to get the word out, because that's going to encourage more of that kind of reporting, whether it's the climate crisis or the latest Trump atrocity or good news from Joe Biden in all points in between. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, I got a link in the description under this episode to uh, follow you, Heather Timmons, on Twitter. And of course, you can follow Reuters on Twitter as well at Reuters. Link in the description for that, too. Thank you again, Heather, for coming on the show today. I really, really appreciate it.
0: All right. Thank you so much.
1: Bye bye. <laughs> Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time?